Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building, which is actually hashtag Divine Color Wall. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's Pastor Michael Petit. Good evening. Uh, Welcome to Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Uh, I'm Pastor Michael Petit. Uh, We'd like to thank y'all for for tuning in. Uh, We're going to be in the book of Nehemiah chapter 1 tonight. We're actually going to finish chapter 1. We'll be in verses 4 through 11. And so if you want to grab your Bible or uh, turn on your Bible, uh, you can find it in Nehemiah chapter 1. Uh, We'll go ahead and read verses 1 through 3 just to get us caught up. And uh, we're just looking forward to uh, getting into this wonderful scripture about prayer the other thing is is um we're working on um worship so this sunday we should have worship set up so uh, we're looking forward to that uh, tremendously it was just a little bit of a uh, some things that we're working out as far as making sure we have the licensing and all the other wonderful stuff that needs to happen and uh and and just getting ready for for palm sunday so that's coming up we're not too far away from easter as well and so we also have some, uh, some invite cards that are going to be coming in hopefully sometime uh, next week. And so we'll be able to go out and pass those out and, and also give some to you uh, if you want. So that way you can invite. Because uh, I keep hearing that we have people in Divine, uh, especially the people that I know in Grace. They're like, oh, my, my, my sister lives there. My mom lives there. You know, so we're hoping that you invite them to come to Calvary Chapel Divine. Uh, remember, if you need to find anything online, uh, anything about the church, where we meet, what times we meet, uh, we're here in the Market Media Building where we, we lease out this spot. Uh, so this is where we meet on Sundays and Wednesdays, Sunday at 10 a.m. and 7 p.m. on Wednesday nights. We do New Testament survey uh, or New Testament on, I'm thinking about School of Ministry, we do New Testament uh, on on uh, Sundays and uh, and we, we spend our time in the Old Testament on Wednesday night. So we hope that you can make it. We hope you can join us. We're, uh, we're here where the uh, Divine Color Wall is. That's where our building's at, uh, right off of, um, uh, off of College East, 203 East College Avenue in Sweet C. So hopefully you can, can join us. Let's go ahead and pray uh, before we get into the book of Nehemiah and just ask the Lord to allow us to, to be um just to let go of the day and just be in his word and and to hear from him uh so let's do that uh father god we do come before you lord and we pray we just ask uh you know lord allow us to be emptied out um the worry the stress the the things that are are on our minds uh the things that we can't control but you do um let us let us be in your presence lord uh to hear from you to hear from your word and and to be obedient to your word and and to apply it 
And, and, and Father God, I do pray. You know who my brother is who is, is uh, in need of prayer right now. I'm not going to go into the whole situation, but you know exactly who I'm talking about. And, and we just pray for his daughter as well. We lift her up as well. Pray for healing. And, and Father God, we just pray for the city of divine. We thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. Uh, we pray for, for people uh, to come. Uh, we pray that you would, uh, as, as my wife reminded me this, this, this past Sunday, that we pray that the Holy Spirit would urge and, and move them to come to church. And Lord, we, we know that there's a, a need here. We know that there are people hurting and, and uh, lost that need to hear the gospel for the first time. Uh, but we just pray and we just ask, Lord, as we, as we focus tonight on Nehemiah, we're going to learn about prayer and the importance of it in our lives as Christians and, and followers of Christ. And so we just ask, Lord, that we would uh, be attentive to your word, but not just be hearers, but be doers. And uh, we thank you so much for all that you're doing. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Nehemiah chapter 1, we went through the introduction last week, and, and this week we're actually, you know, this is the post-exile book uh, as the Jews return to Jerusalem. And so Ezra ends and, and brings us to Nehemiah, and, and Ezra was in Jerusalem teaching and building the people up, uh, and, and we, we know that, and, and there's a 13 to 15 year gap that happens, and then Nehemiah begins. What's awesome about this book is just to remind you is that the wall is going to be built in 52 days. And the importance of this wall is because without the wall, there's no way for them to defend themselves. So, you know, anybody that wanted to come in and rob and steal and do whatever they needed to do in the city, they could do it, which made it hard for people to return to the temple. And so the walls needed to be built. And so last week we, we found out about Nehemiah receiving word from his brother. And we're not sure if it's a, his physical brother or, or just a brother in the Lord, uh, Hanani. And, and so uh, Hanan came and, and, and in, in verse 1 we see the words of Nehemiah. In chapter 1 it says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hecla, uh, now it happened in the month of Chislev that the 20th year I was in Shushan, the citadel, that Hananiah, one of my brothers, came with a certain man from Judah, and I asked him concerning the Jews who escaped, who survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there is in the province who had survived the exile, is, great, is, uh, is in great trouble and shame, and the walls of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. Now see, one of the things that we need to look at real, real quick here is uh, he's asking. There, there is, as followers of, of Christ, one of the things that should be on our heart is the concern for people. We should actually care about our community and, and, and actually care about the people in the community and have compassion and concern when others are hurting or when they're in need of prayer or something's going on. But the, the question we have to ask ourselves are, are we too busy to do anything about it? Has your heart become calloused? And you just go, oh, you know, I'm sorry that they're going through that. 
Or would you actually reach out and, and pray for the person and, and try to see if there's anything that you can do to help them out? See, as followers of Christ, we, we're supposed to have concern for each other. It tells us in Philippians chapter 2, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, it says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and in one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than ourselves. Let each of you not but each of you look not only to his own interest but also to the interest of others. And so when conditions are really bad, Nehemiah is concerned because he understands without the protection of the wall, he, he's a leader. He's, he's the cupbearer. He's the second in command for the king. And so he understands the importance of the wall. He understands that the city that he's in with Artaxerxes would easily be taken, o- taken over without a wall. And so there's a concern there. And not only a concern, but you know, Nehemiah is, is, is going to be called to action. So not only does he have a concern, because it's one thing to have a concern and not do anything. Right? You can be concerned, but then not to do anything. If somebody's hurting, you know, it goes back to James. You're, you're, you're called. If your brother's cold, then you give him a jacket. Right? You don't tell him, man, I'm sorry that you're cold. Our grace be to you and you walk away. See, there, we're going to find out that Nehemiah, when we get uh, into chapter 4 here, I mean chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 4, he has a concern, and that concern, he actually sits down and he prays. So as soon as I, in verse 4, it says, As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued, sta- uh, continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. His heart was stirred. The Lord revealed the, the need of the nation, the need of the people. And, and it stirred his heart to the point where he needed to act. And he prayed. But not only did he act and pray, he was burdened. He was weeping. It reminds me that, you know, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, he wept. Paul, as well, the Apostle Paul. Jesus, we see in Scripture, Jesus wept. In, in John 11, Chapter, uh, John chapter 11, verse 33, it says, When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? He's talking about Lazarus. And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. Right? We also see in, in Luke chapter 19, verse 41 through 44, it says, And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. He's looking at Jerusalem and he knows what's going to happen. And he weeps. He weeps. Saying, You would, would that you, even you, have known on this day the things that make for peace. 
but now they're hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up and barricade around you and surround you and them you and hem you in on every side and, and tear you down to the ground. You and your children within you and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your, of your visitation. And so Jesus wept over Jerusalem. And see, has your heart gotten so callous that you're, you're, you don't get moved anymore when you see somebody hurting? Uh, you know, I, you think about all the kids that are coming in on the border and unaccompanied. Where are their parents? How scared they have to be. You know, are, are we moved or do we have a callous heart and saying, well, we got what we deserved because, you know, the president said for them to come. We have to, we have to understand that there's a call and a need that's happening right now on the border. And, and we have to be moved. We can't become callous. In Romans chapter 12, verse 15, it says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And so we see Nehemiah's weeping. But he's praying before God and praying before the God of heaven. And you can, you can tell when somebody is very serious about the Lord is because the first thing they do is pray. Like you tell them what's going on and they say, hey man, let's pray. Let's pray about it. Who do they go to? They go straight to God. That's what Nehemiah did. Because he knows the only person that can really fix this right now is God. He can't do anything right now. He can't leave his post without God making some moves. So he didn't just jump in and get up and try to fix stuff. Like that's easy for us to do right now because we're a small church and we're thinking, okay, well, we got to do this and we got to do this. And, and it's like, you know, we need to be praying. We need to be praying for people to be moved. It's just like my wife said, we need to be praying for the Holy Spirit to nudge them and wake them up and, and, and say, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and go to that church. Now, I don't care if it's our church. I just want them to go to church to hear the Word of God. But we have to we have, to have that, that instance of praying instead of trying to fix a program or fix, well, we can have an event. But that's the problem with the church. The church is having too many events that are, are for the church and not for the community of the lost. He's going to seek God for His wisdom, seek God for His direction. He wants God's guidance for his life and how he's going to handle this problem. Because it's not his problem, it's God's. He just has the, uh, the yearning and the burning for the people of God and for the nation of Israel. And Nehemiah doesn't just spend a day in prayer. Nehemiah spends months praying for this. Months. And so... One of the things that we know is that when, when we're called, love is an action. You have to actually answer the call at some point. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, it says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But if anyone has the world, uh, world's good and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, 
How does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. We're supposed to love in word, not word or talk, but in deed, in truth. Love is an action. I, I've, I've had many people tell me, I'm going to pray about it. And I never hear from them again. I, I always wonder, did they ever pray about it? I, I was thinking about serving, I'm going to pray about it. Yeah, somebody, hey, could you, you want to be a part of the, the security ministry or something? I'll pray about it. And you check with them two months later, you still praying, bro? Because at some point, love is an action, you're called. You know, if, if God's putting that on your heart, you need to step out and do it. And so he goes to the Lord in prayer, and now we get to the meat of the prayer. We get to the, 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 you know, the, the marrow of the prayer, so to say. And, and we see it in verses 5 through 11. And it says in verse 5, And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keeps his commandments. I want to make sure you all get this. The first thing he does, he acknowledges God. He acknowledges God. It's a reminder to us that, you know, when we talk about prayer, it's adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Adoration is actually to remind us that we're coming before a great and awesome God. To reflect in the faithfulness of God. And the, and the other part of that is when you, when you adore God, you're understanding that there's no problem a great and awesome God can't, can't fix. There's nothing impossible for Him. But we, we, we come in a rush, we come in a, in a hurry, and we need to be careful with that. I, I, this is one of my favorite verses in Revelation chapter 4. Because this is happening now. Now, I really don't think we get this at times. In Revelation chapter 4, verses 6 through 10, and I want you to think about adoration as we read this. And before the throne, there, there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind the first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature, creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around within. And day and night, day and night, they never cease saying or to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is, is to come. That's happening right now. And so when we come before God, adoration, and this is something I do, I rush into prayer sometimes. Now I understand there are going to be times, and we'll look at this tomorrow, or tomorrow, next Wednesday. We'll look at it next Wednesday when we actually see where you have to pray in a hurry. Nehemiah does that. But what we're doing is like when we come before God in our time of prayer, and we're going to talk about that this weekend as we look at, 
You know, we talked about the sun, the salt, and the light. We talked about knowing the sun. We talked about being the salt and the light. And the next thing we're going to talk about is growing, growth in our relationship with Christ. And one of those things that we're going to talk about is go to the Lord in prayer. Go to the Lord in prayer, understanding adoration that you're, you know, Nehemiah is saying, hey, I'm coming before this great and awesome God. And I'm going to adore Him before I get into the meat of what I need to pray for. First thing I'm going to do is go to Him. And that worship's happening right now. So every, every earthly thing fades into the background, right? As we pray. As we pray. We're, we're on the edge of prayer. We're in the presence of God. We're in the presence of God, and I don't think we get that. I know at times I don't. So I, I, I'm telling you, this is something I need to work on. I can rush into prayer sometimes, and it's wrong. I need to have a constant emphasis on, on you know, understanding that when I'm in the presence of God, it's, it's, I'm witnessing for Christ and serving for Christ. And, you know, it's important to worship in prayer. We don't spend time worshiping Him, praying in adoration. To worship means to ascribe worth. It means to use all that we are. We must praise God for all that He is and does. I was, as I was preparing this, this message, I, I bless the Lord, oh my soul, was playing. Worship His holy name. A beautiful song. And we see Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 27. It says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? So Nehemiah is coming before the Lord and saying, You know what? I believe there's nothing too hard for you. And you can do this. But I need to come before you, you great and awesome God. And he says in, in, in the verse, he says, O Lord our God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. And this is the first of 12 prayers in the book of Nehemiah. We see in John chapter 15, verses 9 and 10, it says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in me. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in, in, in my love, just as I kept my Father's commandments, and I abide in his love. And one of the things that we know is that obedience actually produces a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. When we're obedient to the Word of God, when we're obedient to what God's calling us in the, in the Spirit, it's going to deepen that relationship. The Son wants us to have an intimate love relationship with the Father. And He's telling us, you know what? He goes over and says, you know what? Lord God keeps His covenant and His steadfast love. And those who love Him keep His commandments. So if, if you love Him, are you going to keep His commandments and obedience? He says in verse 6, Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants. 
day and night. Now, this is a prayer that he would have been praying for, uh, for months. So every time something came up, every time he's dealing with the concern of the temple, the concern of the wall, the concern of the city, the concern of the people of God, the concern of being able to leave as the cupbearer to go do what God's calling him to do, he goes to God in prayer. And that's something that we need to do as well. We need to be in continuous prayer throughout the day. When things are on your mind and you're anxious about stuff, you should be going to God in prayer. And don't be afraid to reach out and ask somebody to pray with you. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, you know the verse very well, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. That's what Nehemiah is doing. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts, your minds, in Christ Jesus. See, every time we begin to worry, we should see that, that as a call from God to tell us, hey, we need to pray. We start worrying about something or something's on our mind or we're, we're stressed out, we need to pray. You get woken up in the middle of the night and you're not sure why you're awake, start praying. I'm, I'm sure we all have people that we need to pray for. Prayer is a way that we're relationally, as a relationship, you know, we're going to talk about this this weekend as growth. We just talked about the importance of obedience that deepens the relationship. The other thing that, that, that does that is prayer. It, it, it draws in the, the invisible spiritual realm into the visible physical reality. And the sober and truth, the more you worry, the less you pray. But the more you pray, the less you worry. I love the next thing he does there is he confesses sins. So we see adoration and we see confession, right? He, he says, uh, I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. So not only does he confess the sins of the nation, he's confessing his sin. His sin. See, I failed. I don't think we get this as a nation. Right now, the, the mess that we're in is us. It's us. As a nation, we should be, we should be asking for forgiveness of our sin. And our sin. Okay? Our sin. I, I, I sin too. I'm not trying to blame it all on one party. We've all sinned as a nation. We're all in this together as Americans. And as a nation, we need to confess our sins and go to the Lord in prayer. Nehemiah was, was what I love about this is this is a humility of Nehemiah. But don't get it wrong because when Nehemiah needs to stand up and, and stand strong, and be the leader that he needs to be, he does that. But he has humility enough to say, you know what, I need, I, I, I've sinned, Lord. I failed you too. 
Nehemiah never lived in, in Jerusalem. It'd be easy. Like if somebody comes to America and they go, well, I'm not praying for y'all's sin. That's y'all's sin. I just got here. And you go, well, as a nation, have we sinned? Abortion. There's one. That's a big one. We're actually funding Planned Parenthood, which is with taxpayer money. We need to be asking for forgiveness of our sins. And you go, well, I didn't put... Well, some of y'all voted for them people that are in, in the White House now. Some of y'all voted for those people that are in Congress now. You know, at, at the end of the day, as a nation, we need to understand the way that we impact a nation is prayer. The church needs to be on their knees praying. Not just every four years. Because that's what it seems like. It seems like every four years, that's when the church actually wakes up and goes... Okay, the, the Christians are here. Who are we going to vote for? Who we need to pray for? When we need to be praying as a nation, praying for our failures, praying for our leaders, whether you like them or not, God has put them there. And you need to ask for a mighty hand of God to either move them to a right relationship with Jesus Christ or draw them back to a right relationship with Jesus Christ and make decisions based on God's word. And you go, well, that'll never happen in D.C. That'll never happen at the Texas legislature. Have you prayed about it? See, we, are, we automatically start getting calloused on those things. And we got to be careful. We created the problems. We were disobedient. Right? And disobedience destroys quicker than anything. And, and we've seen how quickly the nation's fallen. Just, it almost seems like it's overnight. Just in the last six months. And so we need to be praying. What does Jesus do? As He, as he starts His ministry? In Mark chapter 1, verse 14. It says, now as, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That's what the church needs to get back to doing. Sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. We need to confess our sin. Now You have to understand that it just takes one sin for you not to be found guilty. And, and, and you have the only way that you get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. And you have to seek forgiveness for those sins. And Jesus died on the cross. That's what we're going to be going over when we look at Palm Sunday and, and Easter Resurrection Sunday as we talk about why God went to the cross and why He was resurrected. It's so that way you could have eternal life. So you could be forgiven of your sins. But you have to repent and believe in the gospel. And, and, and as a church, that's something that we need to start getting back to. It's preaching that the blood of Christ, the only thing that's going to cause, uh, cause you to be forgiven of your sins is, is Jesus Christ, what He did on the cross for you. And, and that, that to understand that if we don't choose to follow Him here, the choice is made for you. And you will have eternal life. It just won't be in heaven. 
And so Jesus, the first thing he says as he starts his ministry is the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And what, is, what, what does Nehemiah do? He confesses his sins. He confesses his sins. He confesses the sins of the nation. We need to start confessing our sins daily. And I love that. Even I and my father's house have sinned. He doesn't blame other people. It's my fault. I've sinned. In Leviticus chapter 26, verses 43 and 45, it says, but the land, and this is talking about why they're in the situation they're in, why uh, Jeremiah had told them, y'all need to repent, and they didn't repent, and then they got taken away. And it says, but the land shall be abandoned by them and enjoy its Sabbath while it lies desolate without them. And they shall make amends for their iniquity because they have spurned my rules and their soul abhorred my statues. Yet for all that, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not spurn them. Neither will I abhor them, them so as to destroy them utterly and break my covenant with them. For I am the Lord their God. But I will forsake. Uh, but I will, for their sake, remember the covenant with their forefathers, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt, into the sight of the nations, that I might be their God, and I am the Lord. And he's saying, you know what? No matter how far y'all get away from me, you're still my people. But you have to repent. We have to confess our sins. So we adore God in prayer. We have adoration. And the next thing we do is we confess our sins. In verse 7 it says, We've acted very corruptly against you. And he's actually saying what they've done. You have not kept the commandments and the statutes and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying, If... You are unfaithful. I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are, are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. He's actually, this is so beautiful because he's actually, he's, he's praying scripture. This is from Deuteronomy chapter 30 verses 2 and 5. And, and it says in verse 4, it says, if, you, if you're outcast or in the uttermost parts of heaven, the Lord, has, the Lord God has scattered you. Even if, if you're outcast or in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there the Lord will gather you. And from there He will take you. And the Lord your God will bring you into the land that your fathers possessed, that you may possess it. And He will make you prosperous and numerous than your fathers, he's praying scripture. And I love that because he says if you're outcast or in the uttermost parts of heaven, no matter how far you are from heaven, no matter how bad you think your sin is, God will forgive you. Maybe you've, you've said the prayer and you've fallen and, and you think to yourself, there's no way that God would give me another chance. God will forgive you. Repent. Confess your sin and ask Christ to, to, to be Lord of your life. Lord of your heart. 
And that's a reminder to us is that we should be praying Scripture. He's remembering the promise that was given. We repent. We return. He'll restore us. He'll heal us. And we'll be in a right relationship with Him. And that's really for us too. You know, there's a promise for us. Jesus, if, if we've fallen or we've sinned, we repent, we return, we confess that sin and God restores us and heals us and brings us back to a right relationship with Him. We cannot go too far away from the Lord without God, God saving us. And so one of the things that we learned from Nehemiah is not only the importance of prayer, but also the importance of adoration, the importance of confession, but the importance of knowing God's Word. And, and, and actually praying it. See, we, we need to be in the Word specifically because it strengthens our communication with God in prayer. It, it's a way that, it's, it's an effective way to stand in confidence when we pray. Now, I don't understand why Christians don't pray the principles and truths of God's Word. He's the covenant keeper. Right? Are we going to actually pray God's Word? That's something for us to, to look at and to understand it strengthens our communication with the Lord. In verse 10 it says, They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by the great power and by your strong hand. Lord, these are your people. Redeem them by your great power and strength. These are your people you love. These are your people, Lord. And Isaiah 41.10 is a, a great verse. And I've shared this verse quite a bit. And it's a great verse to pray. Whatever you're going through, because it's His strong hand that's going to hold you up. His righteous right hand. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. It's the Lord that's going to finish the work. And we need to remember that. It's not, it's not our job to do God's work. We need to go to the Lord in prayer first. And he says in verse 11, O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was the cupbearer to the king. He's saying, Lord, I'm your servant. I'm your servant. I fear your name. And I, that's what I entitled this tonight. I entitled that tonight, uh, you know, a prayer uh, as we fear your name and, and give success to your servant. But I, I entitled it a prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name. That stood out to me big time today. It's a prayer from your servants who delight to fear 
your name. He's going to get into the body of the prayer. Now he's actually going to get into what the supplication of the prayer is. Right? But I love that he says, Look, Lord, I fear your name in reverence. I adore you. you you're, you're the great and awesome God. You're the only one who can fix this problem. And I need your help. And that's what he's saying here. Give success to your servant today. And grant him mercy in the sight of this man, the king, King Arxerxes. Right? Because why? I was the cupbearer to the king. Remember I told you last week, the cupbearer is like being the, uh, the, the chief of staff for the president. That's probably the easiest way for us to, to, to understand it. He would have been the person that would have tasted that. And a lot of us say, well, he just tasted the food of the king. Well, a lot of people wanted to kill the king. A lot of people wanted to kill the king. And so he had to trust that person who was tasting his food to make sure nobody was poisoning it. But he also depended on him as a chief of staff, somebody who was the second because there was so much trust there. And in order for him to leave, God has to do a work on the king's heart to let him go. Right? That's the same thing for us. In order for us to come and plant a church in divine, God had to put it on other people's heart to step into the positions that we were in. I used to teach men's study. God put somebody in place for that. You know, I, 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 I help with the website. God put somebody in place for that. We did the books. God put somebody in place for that. But that was a lot of prayer. A lot of seeking God. And asking for God's, God to have success for us to go. It's what God did. And God granted mercy for us to be able to come out here. And that's what he's saying in this supplication of the prayer. He's like, hey, in order for this thing to prosper, it can't be done in my human strength. I can't fix it. You're going to have to put a softening. And that, this is a big deal here. Because a lot of times we're trying to fix a problem in a marriage. We're trying to fix a problem in a family. Right? And it starts with prayer because that person's heart is calloused. And it needs to be softened by the Holy Spirit. In order for you to be able to have those conversations, to be able to mend those relationships, to be able to seek and see forgiveness happen. It starts with prayer. It can't be fixed in a program. It can't be fixed in a video. It starts with, with God placing that, that softening on the heart just like He's going to do for the king here. And, and, and that's what needs to happen. In order for Him to be able to go, because He can't just abandon His post, the king has to have it put on His heart. And that's something God's going to do. The same way Ezra left when God stirred the heart of Cyrus. In Ezra chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the first year of, the, of Cyrus, king Persia, the king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. There's prophecy being answered. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, the king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all the kingdom and also put it in writing, Thus says Cyrus the king of Persia, The Lord, 
The God of heaven has given me all, all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Now I want you to make sure you catch this, and we're going we're gonna to close up here. Cyrus is not even a, a follower of God. Okay? I mean, he believes, they believe in multiple gods. And yet God stirs his heart, stirred up his spirit, and God moved. And, and look what's going to happen. Prophecy is going to be fulfilled. The Lord God, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdom of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever among you, all of his people may be, God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem which is in Judah and rebuild the house of the Lord the God of Israel he is the God who is in Jerusalem let each of the survivors whatever places his sojourns be assisted by the men of, the, of his place with silver not only are they going to go but he's going to give them silver and gold with goods with beasts besides free will offering for the house of God that is in Jerusalem Proverbs 21.1 says the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. I want you to think about that just for a second. Because we did, I, I know this for a fact, the church did a lot of prayer in November for the president. But is the church with the same the same, I, we, I, I'm so used to hearing the word Ghanas, you know, that you have that desire to actually, are you going to have that desire, that same desire you had in November, do you have it now for Biden? Now look, I don't like the guy that much either. But that's who God's put there. And, and for the life of me, I can't understand Congress or the Senate. I'm talking Republicans and Democrats. Because it seems like they're only there to line their pockets. But when I read this in Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord, and he turns, turns it whatever, wherever he wills. And that, that makes me understand that, you know what, I need to be praying for my government. I need to be asking God to have a mighty movement of revival sweep through the Congress. And a mighty move of revival sweep through the White House. And if there's evil being done, expose it. And, and, and see people turn to God. We can't just be a nation that prays four years and stops. We need to be a nation that prays for our leaders and I'm telling you this because, you know, from the pulpit, we're supposed to say that. God didn't make you a Republican or a Democrat. He made you a Christian. And we need to remember that. And so we need to be praying for our government. It's in shambles right now. It really is. We need to be praying for it. We need to be asking for God to move and stir the heart. To do, the, to, to do what's right in, in the Lord's eyes for our nation, 
for every American. Because, you know, it, it, we, what we do as a nation impacts the world. And if we're, if we're, if we're turning to God, it's going to impact the world. If there's a revival in Congress, there'll be a revival in the United States. But the revival has to start with us. There has to be a revival of prayer maybe in your life. We need to stop striving in the flesh. Stop trying to change people's hearts. Trying to force your way of doing things or trying to fix it on your own. You need to allow God to move. And you need to stop playing God. I'm going to say that one more time. <laughs> you need to stop striving in the flesh. You need to stop trying to change somebody's heart and start trying stop fixing it and forcing it and allow God to move and stop playing God. The Holy Spirit resides in each one of us. It guides and directs us everywhere we're supposed to go and what we're supposed to do. He's the cupbearer, the chief of staff. But you know what? Nehemiah's position... He worked for the government, guys. Hello? He worked for a secular government. For a king who didn't even believe in God. And he had integrity. He was well respected. He had godly character. And he was there. And he's shining for God. And he's going to go help. One of the things that really stood out to me when I read that verse in verse 11 is prayer of your servants who delight to fear in your name. Give success to your servant. We need to be praying that. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, it says the end of, ma- end of the matter, and this was one of our readings that me and my wife had. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments for this is the whole duty of man. That's why he's, you know, Nehemiah is confessing the sin. He's adoring God. He's, he's giving adoration to God. He's confessing his sins. He's doing what he's called to do as a godly man, the duty of man, which is to keep God's commandments. And when he doesn't, he asks for forgiveness. He repents and he gets restored. And we need to have adoration when we pray and we need to be confessing our sins. We also need to be thanking the Lord that we're even here. If you go, I have nothing to be thankful of, why are you so ungrateful? You're alive. You're breathing. You probably have a roof over your head. If you're watching this, I'm sure you got a roof over your head. Or at least a place to lay your head. You got a phone. Or a way to access this. You got plenty to be thankful of. We need to be praying for our nation. Supplication. We need to, you know, it's adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and then supplication. You know, and I would tell you to start praying for people first. You know, start with the people in your life that need prayer. And we're going to close out there. We're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 2 next week. I don't know if we'll get through the whole chapter. I'll, I'll take a look at it and see. Um, because there, it's going to be really cool. Once we get to chapter 1, you're going to see how over the months that Nehemiah has been fasting and praying, you're going to see God's heart get softened. And you know what happens? 
I'll leave it for next week. You have to come back next week. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for today. We pray and we, we, as Nehemiah says, Lord, you are a great and awesome God. Lord, let us have fear of your name and reverence of who you are, knowing that there are there are is worship happening right now. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That that are <laughs> worshiping you right now. We're thankful, Father God, and, and, and again we confess our sins as a nation. I confess my sins, Lord. I, I can I can have a calloused heart. I can I can rush into prayer. I thank you, Father God, that we even have a building. I came in and I was like, Lord, how long are we going to do it? How many people are, you know, are we ever going to see somebody show up? And it's like, you know what? We're thankful we have a building. We're thankful we have lights. We're thankful that we can even record and, and be here. Don't let us become calloused. And forgive me for thinking that. And our supplication tonight, Lord, we have, I'm thinking of two young girls that are both in the hospital right now. And they need a mighty, mighty movement of God, Lord. Healing to happen in their lives. We need comfort to be brought to their parents. You know both their names. You know exactly what's going on. And Lord, we're asking that you give wisdom to the doctors. That you surround them with godly nurses and godly doctors and, and people that will pray with them. We pray that you bring peace and strengthen the families. And Lord, we pray for this city. We pray for divine. I saw two churches closed. Empty buildings. Are people wanting to be here on Sunday? Are people wanting to be in church? And I, I pray that, you know, as Teresa was saying, it's something to really think about. Lord, move them. Wake them up. If that train has to come through at, at 9 o'clock, wake them up. Get them to church. And Lord, let us spend time with you in prayer. We thank you so much, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I'm going to just tell you goodbye. And remember, if you need any information, anything on the church, you go to calvarydivine.org. God bless you. I'll see you all later. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.